All right, hello. Welcome to another podcast here on Direct Motocross. Billy Rainford with you. Today we've got someone who, uh, man, had a big name in the sport uh, as a racer, and now he is uh, entering a whole new phase of things from moto dad to entrepreneur to business owner to team sponsor. I have got Kyle Snellgrove on the phone. Hey, Kyle, thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, anytime. Okay, how about tomorrow? <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, I mean, obviously there's some cool uh, new stuff in the works for you, so we'll get to that. But uh, kind of like I always do, let's uh, let's back it way up. I mean, you were a racer and everything. You come from a racing family. Let's, um, man, take us all the way back. How the heck did you get involved in motocross in the first place? Well, I mean, like a lot of people, my dad used to race. Um, he raced for 20 years, and then he, uh, I got into it when I was four years old. We, we live in Windsor, Ontario, so we're really close to Michigan. So we did a lot of racing in Michigan up until, I'd say, we rode 85s. Um, did, like, the Minios thing. Um, we do some Loretta's qualifiers, but never went to Loretta's. Um, and we started racing in Ontario. And, you know, we had the 85 days with uh, Kyle Keast and Seb Dennis and Mike Island and all those guys. And just we all kind of came through the ranks together and, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, we, we did a little bit of the, the pro stuff for, for like 10 years and we had fun with it. I didn't, I don't think I uh, got the results. I really think I could have got, but you now it is what it is and move on. <laughs> okay. Well, hang on. Don't, uh, don't jump ahead of me there. You, you almost answered three or four of my questions that I want to ask you in a little more detail <laughs> here, but, uh, but okay. So you're from the Windsor area. How old are you now? Kyle? Yeah. Um, 35. You're 35 years old. Do you feel old, or what do you think? Um, sometimes, you know, you <laughs> feel the the wear and tear of motocross on your body. But for the most part, I think it also keeps you in really good condition. So, I mean, yeah, I feel, I feel all 35, though, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, now, another question I like asking is, is your uh, first race number, how did you pick, what was it, and how did you pick your first race number? I like these stories. Sometimes they're good. Um, my first race number was number 30, um, and that's because I was born on the 30th of July. Okay, not the best then, looking number. Um, yeah, yeah, we did 30, and then um, I think I got a state number. Like, So when we raced in Michigan, uh, what you finished in that class, you could run that that number the next year. So I think I went to number five one year, and then um, when we started doing some of the bigger stuff, you had to run your last three digits of your AMA, which was five five two, which is what I ran pretty much until I've earned a professional number. Ah, see, there you go. I was going to say because I so if you you went across at Windsor, we used to go across at uh, Port Huron and stuff like that and race District fourteen. What district was uh, Detroit area? Yeah, uh, no, we did District fourteen. Okay. So Baja and Bulldogs and um, you know, all those classic tracks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, my, my number was supposed to be nine, six, three, but they didn't seem to care coming across from Canada. I mean, they didn't seem to, I didn't have to change it to that. So that was, uh, but yeah, yeah I, you know, it's, they're, they're really relaxed with numbers over there now. Um, now obviously if you have the same number as someone else and there's their AMA, then, you know, you got to dash yours out, but they're, it's pretty relaxed with all that now. Right, right. So, so you mentioned who you came up with. I kind of went back. Uh, I just was on the um, Transcan site, and I saw that 1995, you were the 65 nine champ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where you yeah, were. Uh, hmm? So I would have been 10 years old then. Um, and back then, it was uh, we didn't have 
seven and nine and ten to eleven like now. So it was seven to eleven sixty five. Okay. So you 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 know you get your butt whooped for a few years and then some of the older kids move out of class and you had your shot. So I remember I always followed uh, Derek Fisher. He'd win it, and then you know it was my turn, and then I moved out of the class, and then it was you know it was Dennis's turn, and it's kind of how it went. And then eighty fives was the same way. Uh, we had eighty beginner, eighty expert, so you go right to eighty expert at eleven. And I remember you know racing Mike Island. He was fifteen, sixteen years old at the time. <laughs> so you know it, back then it was definitely different. You had less classes, and and it was a wider age group. And you took your you took your licks, and then you you know you you'd make a run when the time was right. Right. It's one of those things, how you come out, you have to look at the guys that kicked your butt and realize they're, uh, they've had four more years in the class than you. You kind of have to keep that all in perspective for sure. Hey, mm-hmm. then I also see that uh, your intermediate year, man, that looks like it was a pretty competitive one. That was 01. You won the MX1 title, and then uh, Fasciotti and Pierce Chamberlain won the other two. I mean, uh, that must have been some good racing. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm not sure Colton raced a... 250 that year or not um i can't recall but it, i remember i think we all got a first second and third or something like that um so it was it was a really competitive year for sure um and it was great racing with those guys too like always super clean just everyone raced hard and that was that okay so i'm assuming then if that was 01 was your intermediate year did you go pro in 2002 yeah, O two would have been my rookie pro year. Yes. Okay. Well, well, just uh, I mean, I was uh, well, I was doing other all kinds of other stuff at the time, so I missed kind of maybe some of your pro racing and stuff like that. But give us some of your some of your history. What were some of the highlights for you? How far up did you go? What was your best number? You know that kind of thing. Um, my best number would have been number fifty four. Um, back then, you know, same as the amateur is a little bit different. We had the east and west coast in the one twenty five class. And they only counted half of your 125 points towards a national number. So if you rode the 250 class, it was much easier to get a, a higher number. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know what, in the 125 class, is a, it's a support class, and it's a feeder class for the premier class. So, it, you know, it makes sense at the time. Um, and then, yeah, my rookie year, I think I got a couple top tens in, in uh, Nova Scotia at uh, Mitch Cook's track oh, in Turo. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a really fun and like stress-free, um, you know, no pressure, just do your best type year. And it was probably one of my best. <laughs> okay. Now, now back then, did you, uh, move on to the big bike class and do the entire series? Like you traveled the country? Um, I've only ever done just the East coast. Okay. Um, we never, I've never done the full series. Um, so, I mean, I did do the East coast and the, the 450 class and, I usually finished in between 10 and 15, um, which, I mean, I think I could have done better. I'm not sure I put enough work off the bike into it No, okay. to get those results, right? All right, right. I got you. What was uh, back in the day then? You mentioned Mitch Cook's track there, the uh, Pleasant Valley and stuff. What was your favorite track? What was the best track back then? Um... Deschambault was always a really cool track to ride. I've never, I never had good luck there. I've, the two years I raced there, I had an engine problem, and I think I might have got a concussion one year. <laughs> Don't remember. But, <laughs> but like, just like, so like the races, I never did get there. But it's funny to say it's probably one of my favorites that I've been to um, while racing professional in Canada. 
it was just like going out for practice and qualifying. It was just always a really fun track. Um, you know, sometimes you ride a little over your head and <laughs> it doesn't, or sometimes things don't go your way. Right. But it is what it is. And, you know, you can't hit a track because of that. <laughs> right. Right now. Did you ever dabble in supercross? You ever uh, line up? Um, I did. I always did the, the Toronto supercrosses when, when the U S came to Toronto, um, the one year was Canadian only, and I want to say I got eighth or ninth um, in the main on the 250 there. Nice. Um, the next year we did that one, um, we had bike issues, so we were in the stands. And the <laughs> third time I did it, it was on a YZ 252 stroke in the, the 250 class. That's when everyone's on the four strokes. And I thought I was going to qualify, and uh, Tyler Evans took me out in the, the last corner in the LCQ. <laughs> Uh, did you throw fists from the last spot? So I got I got one punch by him. He didn't throw. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say he didn't throw fists with him. No, no. I kind of looked back. I was pissed off, and I seen who it was, and I was just like, ah, I guess it is what it is. <laughs> that's that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So and then we did being being in uh, winter. We did a lot of the the arena crosses in the states. Um, in the you know my early pro years, like we wouldn't be able to go to Florida or train all winter so we would you know take weekends and go race arena across in ohio and and all those good places okay yeah there's i mean there still are in a lot of places now but back in the day there were just so many races you could hit like that across the border huh every weekend you know i could hop in a hop in a truck and within five to six hours be at you know a national arena cross um it's yeah a lot different now yeah amazing now okay so uh what was your last year of uh, pro racing Last year would have been, I want to say, 2007, 2007 or 2008. We just uh, we rode the an RMZ 450 and the the MX1 and kind of just I was I was working full time there and just did it kind of for fun. Um, my brother was coming up and he was a uh, pretty fast intermediate and it was kind of uh, his turn, you know, to to get the family funds and. To, to make a run of it right so i just kind of did my own thing and had fun with it that year and and we moved on after that <laughs> right i was gonna say i was uh, i was gonna mention Corey with a k there your brother and uh, i mean you guys yep. stayed involved like wendy snell i mean you guys kind of stayed involved in the sport so obviously you never really completely you must have kept one eye on it huh yeah like so when i stopped racing i we uh i basically put all my efforts to helping my brother, you know, I lined him up some sponsors and some money stuff and, um, got him some bikes and he was able to, you know, go from East to West, um, a few times and do the whole series. And yeah, it's it just like a big, it was a big family sport for us for sure. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So then, okay. So you, uh, you helped out Corey for a while, but he didn't go much. I mean, I remember him from the Oh nine season and stuff like that, but so after he was done too, so then both kids were out. What uh, what did you get up to now? I mean, what did you do for work? What what did you end up doing? Yeah, so I, I got into uh, heating and cooling. I worked for a company. Um, so I got in with this company. Uh, I built them a track because their son raced four wheelers. So I was doing some training on the side and, and building tracks and whatnot. So I, I built him a track, and he offered me basically a chance to start a career in a whole different field of uh, of what I was used to. Um, but, you know, coming through motocross and, you know, rebuilding your own bikes and going through that grind, you learn how to work under pressure, um, you develop really good mechanical skills. So it was a really easy, uh, really easy thing to grasp and, and do. Um, 
and I worked at that company for 15 years up until this past year. Um, and we, we started the, the OGs thing and I partnered with a, a friend that I worked with at that other company. He started his own business and we partnered up with him. So I kind of do half and half now. I do the OGs thing and uh, HVAC still. Okay, so you're still involved. I was going to ask you, well, obviously we'll get to the OG stuff there and we'll talk about what's yep. going on now and everything, but what, uh, what is Corey doing these days? Corey, is, uh, he's a civil engineer now. Um, he works for an engineering firm and he's, uh, he's all done in school and all that for, you know, he did university and he's, uh, he's always had the smarts, uh, Corey did. Um, <laughs> you know, he graduated university with uh, academic distinction and all those oh, wow. fancy all that fancy stuff. <laughs> so he's a, he's an engineer. He he, uh, he has his own house now, and he'll be getting married uh, next spring, next June. Oh, good for him! If you talk to him, tell him uh, tell him we say hello for sure. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Absolutely. I'll have to go through the archives and dust off a couple photos of you guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So did you say the guy you worked with in your HVAC? He's also involved in OGs with you. No, OGs is so in mind. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, but we like when he we work together every day, and okay. uh, we I started OGs and he started his own HVAC company. And okay, it's kind of we we've worked you know shoulder to shoulder for the last fifteen years, so it's uh, you know we we're always talking, and he gives me advice, and I give him advice, and it's just another shoulder to lean on. Okay, cool. Now, now I'm curious. So, how does uh, I mean? Well, I guess we should talk about this too before we get to that. I mean, obviously, you went to the HVAC guy, but Obviously, the past number of years, you're full. You're full blown moto dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, you know, you've got you've got some good pictures in your archive of uh, <laughs> me being a crazy, oh. <laughs> uh, crazy fifty dad. I know the um, one you're talking about. Minio's a couple years ago or last year. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You might have a few shirtless ones. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's funny, you know, going through that myself. I was like, oh, we're never gonna do this. We're not gonna take it crazy like this. You know, if the kids want to ride, so be it. And uh, I think as soon as you have kids and you get them their bike and they start wanting to race and wanting to do these bigger things, it's like you get so wrapped up in it and you get so excited and pumped up, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's fun, you know, kind of following with what my dad, my father did with us and going through it all over again. <laughs> right now, um, obviously, we got Nathan. Nate, we got uh, we got Ryder, and we got Wes. You got three kids coming up, right? Yeah, three boys, <laughs> three boys, uh, and every one is a whole lot different, right? Uh, Nathan's super competitive and like really loves it and just wants to win, and then Ryder's kind of like the one that has all the natural. He's got a lot of natural ability, but he really doesn't care. He just he just likes to look good, have whips, and hang out with his friends. And Weston's six now, and it's kind of to be determined how he's going to be. He's a kind of a hothead. <laughs> so yeah. you know, we might have one of everything. It's so funny, right? That's such a, such a common story to hear about. Like the, certainly with a family with two kids that are racing, it's very common that the first guy is so competitive. The second one has the natural talent. Yeah. I hear that a lot when I talk to people. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it can't be explained. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I guess something you, uh, you can't change the kids, you know, they are who they are and, all you can do is support them and, you know, guide them as best you can. Yeah, for sure. I know Nathan's funny. If he if, if he has a bad race, I always want to come up and talk to him. But, boy, he uh, he's not going to say too much with you after, to you after a bad race. No, he, he likes to win. 
Um, <laughs> and I'm fortunate. He, he really likes, you know, doing a lot of the, the bigger American races, um, you know, Minios and he's qualified for Loretta's the last two years. Obviously this year we weren't able to, to try. Um, but he, he doesn't get much winning when he's at those races, <laughs> but he, he really thrives with that heavy competition. And I mean, but then again, he also likes coming locally and racing and having that chance to win. So it's a good mix um, doing what we do with him. Right, for sure, for sure. Such a huge commitment. I, To be honest, I didn't even know there was a third. And then I'm like, holy smokes, there's another snow grove out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're taking our time. We let them push us to, to ride and race. And I think uh, this year's the year he's going to want to actually race quite a bit. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay. Hey, do you ever get on a bike anymore? Every once in a while, um, if we're doing some training at a local track or, or whatnot, I'll uh, hop on a buddy's bike. But uh, it's you know it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> you feel you feel every muscle in your body that you used to that you used to have when you when you trained and raced at a high level um, the next day. So <laughs> it's it's tough. Um, I did have a bike not long ago, but it was just too much. You know, trying to maintain two to three bikes for the kids, you know, a couple of days a week and, and to keep up with your stuff. And it was just too much. So we just, you know, I, I get a lot of joy, um, watching the kids to do what they love. So I think, I think that overtakes, you know, myself riding. Right. Okay. Well, um, if you're just joining us, I don't even know how that works. If you're watching a podcast, you don't just jump in, but I was listening to a podcast because we got Kyle Snellgrove here. Now, Okay, so here's where we are. Now we've got a pretty cool thing going on. I want to know how this kind of started up. You're also going to be the goggle sponsor of the Canadian Supercross effort, the PRMX team here with uh, Julian Perrier and the guys. But uh, So the OG's goggle thing, how does that even start? Where do you, where do you, where's that come from? Um, so we started a business basically to write off our travels and racing <laughs> for the kids. Um, and goggles is what we got into. Um, it was a small investment and it was really like a, you can't lose type situation. And we basically everything we made off it, we've given back to the youth of the sport. And that just really blew the brand up. Um, and by doing that, we learned a lot about marketing in the sport that I think a lot of other companies fail on. Um, but with saying that, it was kind of a fluke how it started. And it started showing a lot of promise. So we put more money into it. And this is uh, year three now, the end of year three. So we'll be going on year four soon. And it's uh, it's been a fun ride. We've met a ton of great people with OGs and I can't wait to see where it goes in, you know, the next five to 10 years. Okay. So a newer goggle company called OGs. I mean, come on, what's uh, who came up with the, uh, who came up with the name? <laughs> so uh, that's, that's a good, uh, you know, you know, you, you're drinking with, you got these goggles and prototypes and you have no logo, right. And no, no company name. And you're, you're drinking, you know, around, around a fire <laughs> with a bunch of buddies at the track and everyone's coming up with these corny names and, and this and that. And, I say like not oh gosh, but like OGs oh, a lot, like OGs, oh, you know, like Are you serious? <laughs> someone was like, Oh yeah. So someone was like, Why don't you just like OGS, oh, like OGs? Oh, 
you know, the OG. And I was like, ah, that's, that sounds catchy, right? Let's see what we can design. So we, we kind of logo designed. We had someone help us do that. And, and it just kind of stuck. <laughs> well, you know what? I love that story. I wouldn't have even thought of the OGs thing. That is amazing. <laughs> now I, I like the name even more now. Yeah, so like I you know, people ask like, what does it stand for? What is it? And it's like really, there's there's not there's really like not a whole lot of meaning towards it. It's just it, it just was a campfire talk, and that's what stuck with. No, I, I don't. I don't think I would downplay that name. I think that's whoever came up with that was quite smart. That was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> but how do you, whenever I'm typing it, I never know how to spell it. Are you going capital O, capital G? Is there an apostrophe? Small s. It's just a small s. Just O G and then a small S. Yeah, yeah, O G S. Okay, okay. Because yeah. whenever I'm typing it in something, I'm always like, yeah, what is what? What is this?" <laughs> but now that yeah. I know the genesis of the old name, there, I like it. I like uh, again, whoever thought of that was pretty good. That's uh, I like it. So, okay, so as it grows, I mean, obviously, you say you're kind of, you know, you're getting into the beginning of the sport, the young kids getting kids into it. You know, kind of coming up with the OGs. I mean, we're three three years now, like you said. How do you get to the point where you're like, you know what? I think I want to get involved in a team. Um, so like we're we're pretty established with the youth in the sport, and with with my kids racing a lot of the the majors in the states, we get to we go to a lot of events. Um, so I felt like we were pretty established with the youth side of the sport, but we had and and we do help out a lot of. Um, you know, bigger riders and we have some really good A, B riders and some pros in Canada. Um, but we really didn't have a great presence with the, the professional side of it. So, um, Julian reached out to us and I was, I, I was like, let me, let me think about this for the night. And I, you know, I started thinking, I'm like, I think it could really, um, show some stability in the, the company. And, um, he had some quality riders and being a Canadian team, I was like, you know what, we're in. So, and, and that was that. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see how it, it turns out for us with this investment with supporting a team such as PRMX. Um, I feel like they're, uh, he's got a really good team. He's got really quality riders. Um, he's a Canadian team and he's, he's displaying our products on the, probably the world's biggest stage for motorcycles in my opinion. So, uh, you know, and we got it in our budget, so why not do it, right? <laughs> okay, now, if I, I don't know how much you can tell us, but what kind of, you know, what kind of budget are we talking about here? What do, uh, What's your commitment here? Six rider team? Uh, yeah, we got basically all the product they need um, from goggles, laminates, lenses, whichever um, we we give to the team. Um, there's, you know, on a to, to get another supercross like that, uh, to have riders that are making mains, they're going to want contingency. So we have a contingency package for oh, them. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> Do you have um, so, labeled they, stuff? You know, and, and there's there's other stuff you know in the background, but that's kind of stuff you really can't talk about. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I was yeah, I know I wasn't sure what you'd be able to say there, but. Uh... Do you have any uh, specific labeled stuff for certain riders? I don't know if Cartwright or uh, Cade Clays, if they want their own sort of styled ones, or what uh, What can you mess around with? Uh, no, we don't right now, but that was something that um, Julie and I, uh, that I, I said to him, I said, you know, um, 
in the future, you know, maybe not this year, but in the future, we could always do uh, like a PR Max or like a, a signature series for some of the riders. Um, and, you know, to try and help put funds back towards the riders. Um, and that is something we've talked about or not talked about, but thought about with some of our, our other amateurs that are coming up in the States. Um, we got some pretty big names riding for us. And it's something that we're kind of planning to do to try and help get them more support for, uh, for what they do. Right. Right. That's, that's, that's great, man. It's, uh, I love this. It's a, it's a good story, man. Where, um, Hey, let's try, sell, let's try to sell you a couple pairs of goggles. Where can people get them if they want them? Yeah, um, so we're online, OGSMoto, M-O-T-O dot com. And um, basically we're two to two to four days shipping anywhere in North America. Um, everything on our website is in stock and ready to go. Okay, cool, man. Well, um, what do you, hey, do you do anything for guys with uh, reading glasses? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have no prescription stuff. <laughs> uh, we're not that level. We do have, uh, you know, some, some basics on glasses and whatnot. Um, no, I mean, can I get, can you get, to, can you get your, uh, eyeglasses inside your goggles? Okay. Um, so there is a company and this, this works with any brand goggle. Um, so as, as much as you want to, you know, say, go buy some OGs and you can do this to, to get prescription in your goggles, you can, you can pretty much do this with any brand. There's um, a company called Sport RX, and they make inserts that goes inside the goggles. It's kind of like uh, two big lens, and then it's got like little like uh, butterfly springs, and it they lock into the goggle and they sit up against the lens. Um, we've had a few of our riders get those from Sport Sport RX, and they swear by them. So there there is stuff available. Um, there's nothing that we do proprietary to OGs, but that's a that's kind of a optometrist type job. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. I wasn't actually thinking of that. I was thinking of I happen to wear glasses all the time, and I just want to stuff them inside the goggles. And you know what? Hey, yeah, um, <laughs> our goggles um, on the sides of our frames, there is two slots to create extra room for eyeglasses. Ah, there you go. Um, I'm going to say 98% of eyeglasses are going to fit perfectly inside our goggles. Um, um, our goggles have a real they have a lot of width to them. They're one of the wider goggles on the market and uh, one of the deeper goggles that go lower um, towards your cheekbones. So you have a really good peripheral and, and downward vision, um, which also fits a lot of glasses inside them. Yeah, see, perfect. There's a, That's the answer I wanted, but you gave us a more technical one, so that was good too. You got both options now, right? <laughs> that's right. There you go. Hey, okay, yeah. so um, does this mean that uh, are you going to be able to be at the races, or who's going to be your goggle guy setting up uh, building their goggles at the races? Um, Kenzie Hennessy helps me out quite a bit. Um, when uh, this year he couldn't come down to, to Minio's with us, um, you know he just had a baby and with COVID and all that. But uh, usually he comes and helps us. Um, basically, in between, like when my my kids are racing, he takes over. Um, but right now it's it's myself and my wife and. It's just like a constant, constant grind right now. <laughs> so, so we're, you know, we're, we're everywhere. Every weekend we're, we're driving somewhere and going to, you know, be at some kind of event to show some support. Wow. Okay. Now what does that mean for the Supercross series? How, are you going to be able to get to those or what? Um, they'll have preps goggles ready to go. Um, we, we possibly might make it to a few, but it's, it's a 
it's a pretty big expense that we could put back into riders. Right. Um, as much as I'd love to be there, um, at, you know, with only having the six riders with PR Max doing Supercross, it's not a priority to be there. Um, I think we can probably have them better outfitted with that added expense of, you know, having flights and whatnot. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's really cool, man. That's amazing. So what, um, I mean, the future, what, uh, what are you shooting for here? What, uh, are you shooting to have someone distribute them? Are you happy with just online presence? What, uh, where are you, where are you going with this for the future? Um, having a distributor is not, um, it's not something that we don't want. Um, right now I, we're trying to build the brand to be, um, the type of brand that when a distributor does pick us up, they're going to move a lot of product really fast without a lot of effort. Um, we don't want to have them get a bunch of product and, you know, have it sit there. So we want to build the brand up to have that quality, um, you know, and that brand awareness where people come in and they, they want to get the OGs. Um, so we want to, when we do go distribution route, we do want to make it easy on them and have that product just fly off the shelves. Right. Yeah. It's funny. The whole, uh, there's a whole science to the growth of a brand and a product. Like I mean, growing too fast is actually a problem too. Right. So you got to keep everything in control. Yes, absolutely. And we do have, um, you know, a lot of dealers that reach out and, you know, we set up as dealers for us. Um, and you know, that grows, that grows every day as well. Um, but as far as, you know, yeah, distribution would be great. Just, I think we're a little too, a little too early right now for that. Okay. Hey, how about, uh, who are your, what about your plans for say Canadian teams and stuff like that? Riders, what do you got going up here? Um, with the actual teams, not a whole lot. Um, with riders, you know, we don't really search out the riders. It's kind of guys that approach us and, and, you know, do we think that they need the help or support? Right. Um, and we focus a lot on the youth and amateur side of it, which, you know, is, is kind of a five-year plan. Um, you get them loyal and you help them out as kids. And as they get older, they'll be professionals and be part of your program, right? So, you know, we sponsor uh, in Canada, Max Philpack. Um, and forgive me if I miss a few, but um, Travis Barrett and... Um, uh, we've had, we've, you know, helped out a few pros. In Ontario, um, we don't do much with the teams. Okay. Uh, PR Max was the first, you know, team that we sponsored with with uh, the riders. Now I know PR Max is going to have a few riders doing all the Supercross in Canada too, so we'll be on board with that as well. Okay, good stuff. But we have, you know, we have we have a lot of good a lot of good kids that we help out that'll be professional in the next year or two with uh, Wyatt Kerr and Preston Massanzwell, um, Tyler Suchak. So those are all guys that'll be making the jump to Canadian professional racing as well. So we'll have them, you know, and they'll be part of the the pro team for us. Okay, man. Well, that's uh, that's cool. That's uh, I think that's uh, just about all the important stuff we had to talk about. But I just uh, speaking of important though, what's what's the best Christmas movie? I never got a hold of you for this uh, thing we did here on the site. What's uh, what's the best Christmas movie of all time? <laughs> oh boy. Um... <laughs> I, when I think Christmas movies, after having kids for the last 11 years, all I think is like cartoon Christmas movies. That's all you see nowadays. Uh -huh. um, probably The Grinch. 
All right, we'll give we'll give you that. Sorry, put you on the spot yeah. there, but uh... <laughs> Grinch, Grinch is a classic, you know. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah, you can't go wrong with the old Grinch. Um, you know, and then, you know, and then back to the, my childhood. You know, it's the Home Alone, right? Those are always uh, classics as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Home Alone scored high on our uh, on our wasn't really a survey, but uh, definitely, I think Home Alone probably got the most uh, the most picks. Yeah, especially if you're asking a bunch of thirty year olds, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> all right guy well uh is there anything uh you want to say that uh maybe we didn't touch on there but uh i think that was pretty good though man we covered uh covered just about everything yeah it's a fun little interview um no just you know what mainly to like the the parents and in, in the amateur race and just you know like really cherish your time that you guys spend at the track and make it enjoyable right like remember why you're there um that's what i'm always telling you <laughs> right i tell myself this all the time but it's really it, it is really hard like you get wrapped up into this right um but you know now now being on the other other side of like the, the sponsorship thing like um helping other kids out you could see you know the pressure parents put on kids and and how it affects them from like a different standpoint so it's just enjoy it all right Right, yeah, like you say, like you're obviously you're touching on this. There's too many families out there that get uh, kind of ripped apart. There's, you know, you hear horrible stories about you know the pressure they put on each other, and then you end up just not being friends anymore. But uh, that's what you mm-hmm. try to avoid. But uh, yeah, you gotta enjoy, like you say, enjoy all the moments. That's what I always tell the people when I'm talking with them as well, for sure. Because you'll be talking yeah. about these times, whether you succeed as a pro or not. These will be times that you talk about the rest of your lives. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Another thing I could bring up is uh, we just released. Uh, last night we just released a brand new OG snowboard goggle, so that'll be uh, on our website, and that's a, a whole other path of uh, another industry I know nothing about. <laughs> but we're gonna make we're gonna make a go at it. So, <laughs> oh man, okay, okay. Well, uh, yeah, there you go, man. Well, I appreciate your time, man. We've uh, I guess we can wrap it up there. I really appreciate you kind of sitting and chatting with us there. And it sounds like you're gonna have a pretty busy winter and. Uh, whether you get to say, same with me, I got to see if I, how I can get across the darn border to get some of these races, but, uh, got to get down there and cover some of these guys wearing their OGs. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, we might have to just hire you as an essential, uh, media and send you down for us. Yeah, let's do, let's do that. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, right. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. And, uh, good luck with everything. It's cool to, cool to learn a little bit more. I'm still thrilled about the whole OG OGs thing. I never even put that together. That's kind of, that's my key takeaway from this whole thing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's good. I'll clear up because we get that question asked a lot. Like, what's it stand for? So perfect. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Say hey to everybody and uh, we'll see you at a race somewhere sometime soon. Yeah, we'll do. You have a good holidays, though. Okay, you too. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.